Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I don't know about you all, but I am having a hectic couple of weeks here. We're heading into residency interview season, which means a lot of reviewing applications now, and then interview days are just around the corner. Plus, we do our CCC meetings in October and April, so the fall CCC is overlapping with interview prep a little bit. And to top things off, I picked up a couple of extra calls this month to try and even things out a tiny bit after I missed so many calls this summer. Not that anyone expected me to by any means, but I wanted to try and repay favors at least a little. And of course, it happens that several other committees and projects that have been more or less dormant are suddenly now ready to pick up the pace. Basically, what I'm saying is that I have a lot going on right now. Before we get into today's real topic, I wanted to use this as a quick refresher about how your thinking affects your time management and your efficiency. So the last couple days, my brain has been really trying to convince me that I have way too much to do and there's no way I can get it all done. Here's how this used to play out. My thought would be something like, I have too much to do, I can't get it all done, which would make me feel overwhelmed. And when I'm overwhelmed, I get stuck wallowing in that. I spend a lot of time perseverating about all of the things that need to get done and how many hours there are in the day and how much sleep I can get by on and what will happen if I don't get my stuff done and I just keep spinning and spinning. And the result, of course, would be that I wouldn't get my stuff done because I wasted all my time worrying about it instead of actually doing it. Now, of course, just because I know how to coach myself, it doesn't mean that I never do this type of thing anymore. Of course I do, I'm human. But I do have a much better eye for it and I can usually spot it pretty early on and then do some redirecting. So the other night while I was on call, it was late and I wanted to try and get a nap between deliveries if possible, but I also knew that the residents would be calling me within an hour to give me updates on a couple of patients who were being admitted. And I usually don't fall asleep if I know there's one more round of updates that's definitely coming. So my brain offered to me that I'm just going to be lying there awake, missing out on sleep time, but not really getting any of my important tasks done either because those require a little more concentration and a larger block of time than I have available at the moment. Basically, that time scarcity worry was gearing up to make sure I wasted the time. But instead, I thought, well, I know something I want to get done that's perfect. I'll work on a podcast. I almost always put together the content over the course of several sessions because I like to write out my thoughts and then let things simmer for a few days and then come back and revisit it and revise it before recording. So that was kind of the perfect task. And so instead of just sitting there worrying and feeling overwhelmed, I found the task, put it to work, used that time well, and I got one step closer to crossing something off my to-do list. I tell you, a busy and overscheduled time like I'm going through right now is so much less stressful now that I know how to coach myself. But to get to the real topic of the day, I started thinking about this several weeks ago because the term the right doctor came up in two very different scenarios pretty close to each other. The first time it was with me, 
I was in clinic, and during the course of the day, the last two patients both canceled, and that never happens. As the afternoon progressed and the appointment stayed open, I started thinking, oh, maybe I'll get to go home early. But then, of course, at the last minute, a new patient popped up on the schedule. And when she arrived, the nurse was rooming her for a really long time, which generally means that things are complicated. And let's face it, if it's a Friday afternoon and you had a moment of thinking you might get to go home early and instead there's a last minute add-on, complicated is probably not anyone's first choice for how that add-on patient will go. So I was sort of unconsciously starting to build a story about what all of this meant for me. When the nurse came out and the first thing she said was, this appointment was meant to be, you are the doctor she needs. After that, I went in, had a very pleasant appointment. We got the patient set up with the appropriate resources and everyone went home happy. The second scenario was one that a client was relaying to me. The client had a patient who was having a hard time seeing eye to eye with her. The client had taken several steps to make sure she was meeting the patient where she was and that she was understanding and addressing all of the patient's medical needs. But despite her efforts, she felt like the relationship was not a productive one and unlikely to ever become so. I just don't think I'm the right doctor for her, was one of her thoughts that we were exploring during that session. So two different patient care scenarios, two different doctors, two different patients, but both are situations that I'm certain all of us have found ourselves in at least a couple of times. I definitely have had plenty of times where I could sense that I was just not effectively connecting with a patient. And I know my client has had plenty of times that she saw a patient and got that feeling, oh, I can definitely help this patient. I'm so glad they ended up on my schedule. So this really got me thinking. In my situation, the main reason that the encounter went well, from my standpoint anyway, is that the nurse planted an idea in my head, bless her, that I was somehow uniquely qualified to help this patient. And I took that idea and I ran with it. I walked into the exam room feeling competent and empathetic and curious, all the things that generally lead to good problem solving and a supportive bedside manner. The patient on the other side of the door was exactly the same 10 seconds earlier when I was starting to build myself a pity party about there goes my Friday afternoon as she was 10 seconds later when my thinking was very different. It's kind of like Schrodinger's cat, sort of. The fate of this patient encounter, at least on my end of it, simultaneously exists as two very different scenarios. But rather than being decided by a random event that may or may not occur, the fate is decided by how I chose to think about it. In this one situation, I was really fortunate that someone I trust and respect did all the work for me and offered me the better thought. I very well could have coached myself into it if I had had the foresight to do so and if I was in the right mood, but that particular time I didn't have to. All I had to do was just do the easy part of accepting the offer and using it for the better. And reflecting on it after the fact, it gave me a great mantra to use anytime I'm headed into a clinical scenario that feels hard. If I can tell myself I'm the right doctor to handle this, I'm putting myself in the mindset to be my best self. So now's where we get to the really important part. If I was thinking my afternoon was ruined, but then ended up feeling really happy about how I showed up for the patient, and it was all because my thinking changed, 
Does this mean that what my client needed to do was change her thinking? Well, yes and no. Let's go with the no part first. So in my scenario, my original thinking was likely to result in me showing up as a not so good version of myself. So changing my thinking was a good thing because changing my thinking allowed me to show up better and to really embody the person that I strive to be. For my client, she was already showing up that way. You remember I said she had put some serious effort into making sure she was trying to see things from the patient's point of view and to account for any challenges the patient might be having and even be a little extra accommodating and the patient still wasn't happy. It's really easy to try and logic yourself into this belief of, if only I approached this better, the patient would be happy. But do you see the problem there? It's that we would be trying to control someone else's thoughts and feelings, and we don't get to do that. People-pleasing is an exercise in futility because humans are complex and unpredictable creatures. You might truly believe that if you show up in a certain way or do certain things or say certain things, then you know how it will make someone feel, but you don't. At best, you have an educated guess. Doing something specifically for the sake of trying to make someone else feel a certain way is setting yourself up for failure because number one, you can't possibly know how they will react in the moment, and number two, It means your happiness is entirely contingent on someone else's actions, which means you have absolutely no control. So you keep trying to do better and keep trying to change in order to get the outcome that you want, but your actions aren't linked to that outcome. I'm not saying that your educated guess is irrelevant or wrong, just that it's a guess and nothing more than that. I think it's a reasonable, educated guess that for most people, if I punched them in the face, it would make them angry. But somewhere out there, there's someone who's been learning boxing with a trainer, and me giving them a real-life opportunity to execute a flawless uppercut would be thrilling for them. So does that mean you shouldn't take into consideration how your actions might make someone feel, since you can't know for sure and you can't control it? Well, of course not. I know we've gone over this before, but it's a really important point to remember that if our actions are discordant with our own personal morals or values, that leads to a lot of discomfort. I'm personally not a proponent of physical violence, so I would not be acting in integrity with myself if I went around punching people in the face. So that's the big part, the no, she shouldn't change her thoughts. But here's the yes part. And again, this is something I'm pretty sure all of us doctors have experienced. The problem was that she was believing it was a problem for her if her patient was unhappy with her delivery of care. There was another half to her sentence, a half that was subconscious. The first half, I'm not the right doctor for this patient, was pretty clear. But the second half was, and this means I'm not good enough. Now for me, when I run into this, when it's me, it's usually a combination of hating it when I think people are wrong about me and trying to people-please. I know I've said many times that I'm a reforming perfectionist. Well, I'm not even close to being a reforming people-pleaser. I know it's bad for me, but I'm just not there yet. I, you could call me pre-contemplative. But anyway, we can stop making this feel like a problem by revising that sentence. Instead of, I'm not the right doctor for this patient, and this means I'm not good enough, we can try something like, 
I'm not the doctor this patient wants, but I'm showing up as the doctor I want to be. Or, I'm not delivering what the patient wants, but I'm delivering care in the way I feel is best. Or, I'm committed to following best practices, and if that means some patients choose a different doctor, so be it. Or even, I'm not the doctor this patient wants, and that's okay. It can be really hard sometimes to swallow the idea that some people just don't like us or aren't going to be happy with the care we provide, even when we're trying really hard to make sure that care is supportive and collaborative. But these things are going to happen from time to time. It probably happens less often for folks who actively work on their listening skills and emotional intelligence and who do some reflection when an interaction doesn't go well to think about whether there might be an opportunity to show up differently in the future. But even someone who's regularly doing these things, it's still going to happen sometimes. And when it does, and you feel pretty sure your actions were in integrity with your best sense of self, well, that's a great opportunity to practice greeting the negative emotions that are part of the normal human existence. All right, I think that's enough for today. If you'd like help exploring your beliefs about what it means to be the right doctor for your patients, come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule your free consult. I'll see you back next time. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.